Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar, and we have with us today... John Dahl. He is the founder at Muck. Hi, John. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about Muck. What is it? Yeah, we are a uh, company that um, we build uh, video infrastructure. I tell I tell my mom uh, that we're building like all the heavy lifting behind Netflix, uh, but like for hmm. everyone else in the market who, who doesn't have... Uh, the scale of Netflix, let's say. Got it. So you're like the brains behind the web pages, in a way. Yeah, yeah. So the the kind of the plumbing behind video, video delivering video online is a really really hard problem. Um, it's kind of amazing mm-hmm. that it works as often as it does, but uh, everyone has experienced when it doesn't work. You're watching, trying to watch a video and it rebuffers or it stalls or it errors out or something like that. Um, it happens way too often just because online video is such a hard technical problem, um, and we're trying to we're trying to make it better. Exactly, and that's the worst when your video starts buffering and whatnot. And this is something that is very relevant to pe- to consumers now. I mean, I have not owned a TV in over 10 years, and I feel like yeah. I'm not – I used to be unusual, but now, you know, it's hard to find people who own a TV, or if they do own a TV, they don't have cable. You know, they just have their, their Google TV, their Apple TV, or they just hook up their laptop to the, to the monitor, which is what I would do. Um, so, yep. and they do that because we're looking for our entertainment through our, our internet connection.
connection, right? And through those services. Mm -hmm. So this being a problem amplified by how many users we have is just like astronomical. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh it's kind of surprising if you haven't heard this kind of stats before, but video is I think the current number is it's about seventy percent of all the internet traffic in the world is video. Um, wow. And something like Dropbox, a company like Dropbox that's like, you know, storing people's files, most of the data they store is video. So it's not like most of the file count is video. Most people have more other files than videos, but videos are just so huge. It's like most of the internet today, the purpose of the internet is uh, managing video. That's, that's phenomenal. And do you think that's because it's a little bit harder to read content on your computer? If you're sitting down at your computer, you're probably not reading. You're probably doing several things. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're listening and you're checking back and watching video. Is that somebody what you think is happening? Yeah, I mean, part of it's just that video files are so big. So it, it's not even necessarily that um, people only watch video, although the numbers on that are pretty impressive too, where uh, I, I think watching online video is now like kind of the number one use of the internet. So uh, people watch more, spend more time watching video than they spend browsing Facebook or things like that. Um, so part of it's like the attention, like people people like video as a format, and then part of it's just how like technically big video files are and complex they are. Um, does YouTube have have a good amount to do with that? Like the amount of video consumption really spiked with YouTube and have people creating their own content everywhere? Yeah, I mean I, that, that that's a huge part of the the revolution, and YouTube is still today like you know one of the obviously one of the the giants in the space. But there's a uh, there's a lot more beyond YouTube. I remember I started my first company that did video technology back in 2010. And when we went out to raise money, um, you know, some investors got it and we were able to raise some money. But the number one questions that investors asked if they didn't invest in us is, well, why don't people, why doesn't everyone just use YouTube? Isn't YouTube like the end of this sort of like video cycle or the end of the growth of video? Um, mm -hmm. But just think of everything that's happened since YouTube. You have obviously Netflix and a bunch of other providers like creating their own original content that brings people to their platforms. Mm -hmm. You have Twitch kind of coming out of nowhere to be like a dominant entertainment platform. People watching other people play video games is like one of the most popular things to do with video today. No one expected that. Um, you have HQ kind of taken off right now as a as kind of a fun video trivia game. And and video just as a way to connect with people, like you were saying, Twitch and Twitch has commenting as well. Is that correct? You can comment to the person yeah. you're watching. Yeah, so that's a Absolutely. lot, a lot yeah. like Facebook Live or Instagram Live as well, and that's kind of. Do you see the market going in that direction, more so? Yeah, I think there's, a, I think there's a lot of growth happening right now in live video. So, yeah, not everything, not everything needs to be live, but you can do interesting things with live and with sort of the kind of feedback loop of audience to um, whoever's playing the game or presenting or talking on, you know, a, a live channel. Absolutely, and all right. So let's go back to to Mux. Say I am a company, and we have we have video we want to implement into our site. Go ahead and walk us through how that would unfold. Yeah, so um, our uh, we have a couple of products. The, the I think the product that's most interesting here is a product we call Mux Video, um, and it's basically it's basically the easiest way to add streaming video to an application. So our target is really um, anyone building something new. If you're building a new iPhone app that uses video, or you're building a new e-commerce platform and you want to use video to kind of like show off your products, or you're building a social network and you want to use video. Um, without what we do, uh, what you have to do, 
and this is assuming that you're not just going to like use YouTube as a channel, but you actually want the video to be a part of your application. Um, without something like Mux, you have to build you have to build quite a lot of software. So you're probably going to spend a few months wrangling together a transcoding service and a content delivery network and storage and thinking about workflow and thinking about how to use thumbnails and captions and all these kind of like hard parts of video. Um, what what Mux Video does that's pretty unique is it's basically a single API to everything you need to do to publish video at scale. Um, and so uh, you go from maybe weeks of work to a day of work, uh, integrating video into whatever you're building. Got it. And and so once a company is working with you, do you kind of give them the tools and let them do their own thing and they ask questions, or do you hold their hand through the process to try and make sure they're doing everything right the yeah. first time? Yeah. So um, we like to we like to hold hands. We like to hold our customers' hands as much as possible, um, and we do that a couple ways. One is like directly. Um, I'm a big believer that any product company, and especially like a startup, like any investment you make in customer support and helping your customers, like pays off like tenfold. Uh, you you have happier customers. Customers talk about you to their friends. Um, so we're pretty hands-on with our customers, uh, but we also we also do a lot in our product to like <laughs> take away the way that the ways that someone could make a mistake. So we're, we're pretty opinionated in how we publish video. Um, we don't give our customers some tools and say, go wild and figure it out yourselves. We actually like have a lot of optimization under the hood that makes video just work well. So we do things like um, use data and machine learning to decide like what, uh, what's, what are the right resolutions for every video? How do, how do we um, choose like the, the way that we're going to encode the video or the way that we're going to deliver the video? Um, which both makes it easier for our customers and just makes it sort of better quality overall. Which, which is really nice as an end result. Um, what are the prices, the price ranging for a service like this? Yeah. Um, so we we take um, we're, we're basically like priced like a utility. Um, so if you're familiar with companies like Twilio or Stripe or even like Amazon Web Services, our pricing is pretty similar to that. If you if you only if you upload like um, an hour of video, you're going to pay us like a few pennies, and that's it. Um, it's really like as you start to upload hundreds of hours or thousands of hours of video, or your video is watched over and over, um, kind of pricing kind of scales up based on usage. Um, so it's designed to be pretty cost effective, even like cheap or free if you're just sort of building a side project uh, at night. Um, but as your project takes off and you get volume, uh, pricing scales up from there. Absolutely. So. What are some of the challenges that that Mux and video in general are running into besides just buffering? Um, what are some of the main challenges, and how do you anticipate fixing them? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll put I'll put buffering in a category with other things like load time, mm -hmm. like how long does video take to load when you when you yeah. start it up? Um, and those are all an important thing. Like the the load time one is especially important for social video or short form video, if you're like scrolling through a Twitter feed, like, man, you're not going to watch a video unless it's lo it starts up in like half a second or a quarter second. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's one set of challenges. Um, another interesting challenge is that videos just keep getting bigger. Um, so a lot of people have 4K TVs today. Um, a 4K TV, because it's a square picture, you know, you got a width and a height. Um, it's basically four times the size in terms of like Megabit, megabits per second of bandwidth needed or gigabytes, um, it's basically four times the size of like 1080p. Um, so you have this world in which video is already like 70% of internet traffic. 
and we want to like 4x the size of videos. Um, and so that's a real problem. Um, and it's partly holding people back from delivering 4K content, which is too bad. Um, but there's a lot of solutions in terms of how to improve the encoding efficiency, improve the compression of those videos. There's new codecs that come out. Every every 10 years, there's like a new generation of video codecs. Uh, and there's a couple that are really now just sort of taking off. Um, one is HEVC, one is BP9, if you are at all familiar with this kind of thing. Uh, and there's next generation codecs coming down the road that are going to cut bandwidth significantly as well. Well, good. We're getting more concise at at this this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, Another um, maybe another... Uh, another interesting thing there is uh, HDR content. Um, if you walk into a Best Buy, you'll start seeing TVs that say like UHD ultra high def. Um, that usually means 4K plus HDR. Um, terminology changes, but um, HDR is like is stands for high dynamic range, and it's basically using like deeper colors, more colors, deeper colors. So blacks look blacker, and reds look redder, and whites look whiter. Um, and it's a pretty, it's actually probably a bigger improvement to video quality than 4K. So like 1080p, like if you remember your first high def show, it looked great compared to like old school broadcast TV or DVDs. Um, HDR is probably the next big kind of like revolution, but it's really just taking off. Um, it's only on, it, it's on very little content today, but it's pretty exciting. For businesses in, in a lot of different areas, do you believe that video is essential for having a compelling website or involving your customers? Uh, it is It is for a lot of businesses. Um, I think you find uh, e-commerce um, uh, platforms finding that video helps them convert, helps them drive more sales. Um, it's, it's a great way to like look at a product, uh, a video. Um, obviously, things like social networks have been pretty video heavy for a long time. Facebook is... Facebook and Twitter are basically all in on video right now, uh, investing heavily there. Um, B2B tools is another category that's using more and more video. So if you're building a, you know, an internal communication app like Slack or something or um, uh, sales kind of content, uh, contact management system, um, videos used more and more there. Obviously, the real-time kind of uses of video are really interesting to you, video conferencing, um, screen sharing, things like that. So I think I think it can be you know it, it, it's not it's not like video needs to replace text. Sometimes you really want to read something. Sometimes text is a better medium or images is a better medium. Um, but video is definitely finding more and more, more places to be adopted, um, and that's going to keep happening partly because like there's less video online today than there should be just because it's more expensive and it's harder to work with. So as it gets easier and easier, um, you're going to see lots of new places. What are some of the long-term goals, say the next three years or so for MUX and your goals for the industry in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, what we really want to do, and maybe maybe just a little backstory, we, um, I started a company called Zencoder back in 2010, which was one of the first companies that moved video encoding to the cloud. So we did a small part of the problem. We did this one little thing that used to take a lot of like physical servers and we made it a simple cloud API service. Um, and one of the one of the best things we did there was really sort of democratize the technology. So we made this available to anyone from tiny startups to big companies like PBS and NFL and Amazon. Um, and so I, I think um, you know we're, we, we have a different vision now with Mux. We're doing more uh, in a lot of areas. Um, but I really hope that over the next few years we can again sort of democratize this this um, 
to democratize really high quality video. Um, YouTube and Netflix have literally hundreds of engineers working on these problems and the rest of the world doesn't. Um, and we want to bring that same quality and that same um, technology, the same like user experience of watching a great video to to everyone else in the market. Absolutely. And so you spoke a little bit about Zencoder. Uh, what else is your experience in this in this industry and in this technology? <laughs> How did you get this yeah. technology bug? How did it bite you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I I'm a software engineer by background. Um, Actually I'm, actually, I'm a philosophy major by background, and I had to learn software because I needed a job, and I couldn't find a job as a philosopher. Um, big surprise. Uh, but like one of my first, like my first few years of building software, I had a, I was running a little consultancy, and I had a client who wanted to build video sharing. This was like back in 2007, um, and I had no idea anything about it. Um, but I had to build a transcutting platform for them. Um, I didn't know what transcutting was, but I built this thing and I realized like this is a really hard problem that there's not a good solution to you in the market today and more and more people are going to want this um, as online video grows. So after bootstrapping for a few years, started, I started Zencoder in 2010 with a couple of friends and um, built a great product. We ended up selling that company um, a few years later um, with about a thousand customers, including some some big customers, lots of lots of startups as well. Um, and it's still a good product. It's still a product that's in the market and people like. But that was kind of my entry to it. Um, but uh, we've done a bunch of other things uh, since then as well. So um, at Zencoder, my co-founder, Steve, built uh, the biggest open source video player in use today. It's called VideoJS. Um, and so mm -hmm. it's probably 200,000 websites, I think, is like the last number I've seen use VideoJS as their video player. Um, so I've spent time kind of over there. Um, we also, um, a few years ago, even before starting Mux, we started a we started the local San Francisco video technology meetup. Um, it's a great group of you know 75 people who get together once a month to talk video. Um, but then we realized there was like a need for a conference, so we actually run the biggest conference for video technology um, for video engineers. It's called Demuxed. Um, it's a great conference. We'll have 500 people in San Francisco this October uh, come together for two days to talk about, you know, what's happening in video technology, what's the future of video technology. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've worked kind of across the board, the technology space, the community space. Um, and, yeah, it's still it's still an interesting set of problems. Absolutely. Interesting and very needed. So your team sounds like it. you really have a, a solid base for MUX and to get these products out there to get the video doing what it's supposed to do, you're really well set up. Yeah, uh, I'm privileged to work with a really excellent team. We have great engineers who have done things like, um, been at places like YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and have built some pretty pretty significant technology. Uh, but we're still a small team. We're 20 people today. Um, small team building a lot of technology. So, um, so yeah, it's fun and I'm glad, glad to work with uh, the team I have. Absolutely. So if people want to come and sign up to use Mux for their website and their products, what is the easiest way to go about that? Um, yeah, just go to mux.com. Um, you can sign up and get going in like a minute um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, chat with us along the way. We're happy to happy to help people understand how to use our product and uh, help, help them as they get going. Wonderful. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today and really sharing what you do with Mux and how it can benefit everything.
Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.